Hello everyone, you are now listening to the Storm Connect podcast with Eno Ninja. I talk about gaming topics and anime series of my own interest like Ruby, Kingdom Hearts, Persona 5, and etc. The goal I aim to accomplish on every episode is to provide insights on these subjects that are usually overlooked to spread awareness and learn more. In this episode, we are going to be discussing Kingdom Hearts 3 and its upcoming latest DLC expansion. And by we, I actually have a special guest with me here today known as Crunch. Hello. <laughs> so, Kingdom Hearts, it's a popular franchise that is developed by Square Enix and Disney and has been around for 15 years and such. So, to start this off, we're going to be providing our briefs of Kingdom Hearts 3, of what our thoughts are and such, in order to fully dive into this whole uh, Remind topic. So, to do that, I think we're going to talk about the gameplay first. Alright. So, gameplay. I just want to mention that this is made by Osaka. The Osaka team that has also made Birth by Sleep and Dream Drop Distance. Mmm. Those games. <laughs> not a fan! I- I'm not gonna like, yeah. like, you know, okay. I'll-, I'll put it this way. Like, they're not entirely bad. But, this is one of Osaka's best work. But it's, it's a step from their, what they're used to, from the command um, deck, from the Birth by Sleep uh, format and the Dream Drop Distance format and such. They also made 0.2 uh, for 2.8, which, you know, it gave me a bit of an idea of what that was going to be like, so I actually was, like, liking that type of gameplay, so I was okay with it, but by the time that I got to 3 and such, just, I don't know what happened. Sora just did not feel, well... Sora, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I completely agree with you. Um, so, just to kind of get it out of the way before we, like, get into the other big topics, I'm, like, a completely new fan of Kingdom Hearts. Like, I, I literally started playing the games, like, this year. Uh, I got story so far. I, like, played through everything. Um, I've, like, kind of understood, like, the difference between teams that made KH2 and then, like, Dream Drop and Birth by Sleep. And those games could be a lot worse, but for what they are, like... I have no choice but to enjoy them because they do have quirks about them that I don't like at all, but they really could be worse. So I do recognize the effort they do put into the games, and especially in 3, this is their best work like you said, but man, they they missed a lot of potential. Yes, I do agree with that. There was some missed potential. Um, to give a little background as well, I've also... Um, I've been a fan of Kingdom Hearts ever since I was a child, like, about five years old. So I pretty much have been here ever since the franchise actually be- begun. Yeah, you're such. a veteran. So I've been here from- I'm pretty much a veteran at this point, yeah. So, um, I stuck- I stuck through the entire ride of this because I wanted to see where this was going to take me, and I pretty much assumed, like most of anybody else, um, when Kingdom Hearts 2 was released, Three would be coming soon, maybe like one or two games before the um, the prequel of three. And yeah, no, we all know how that went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but like I don't know, like I really was not that much. Like I was into it though, but like I started to like really get into it by the time like I was like a teenager around that time. 
And uh, that's what I learned about the uh, Nomura interviews and such. I actually read up on some things and such on online through Cage 13, Cage Insider and such, everything else that you can uh, list in the outlet sources. And um, that I'm starting to understand of like how this development process came to be. It's ever since they, um, ever since that they talked about Kingdom Hearts 3 in 2013, and they even admitted that it was too early. And, um, knowing the fact that it was confirmed by Osaka and such, and, you know, I replayed the games through the HD remixes, that's where I grew my concerns. Um, I will say, though, um, the graphics, yeah, it's looking pretty. I will say that, like, they did a splendid job in terms of the graphics when they entered into the worlds and such, but, you know, I just wish that they did not focus on flashy and stuff like that. Like, flashy is fine, though, but... You also have to make it work and balance and, you know, the reward and punishment system for the gameplay to actually work. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, compared to the other Kingdom Hearts games, obviously they were, they looked literally the exact same. Basically starting from Kingdom Hearts 1 all the way to Dream Drop, which was like the last time we got sort of that, like, it's not exactly like a polygon graphic design, but it's more like... I don't know. It kind of just looks like a weird animation to me personally. But we, I mean, people like new Kingdom Hearts fans and old Kingdom Hearts fans kind of just grew up with it because like, what could you do? That was back in like, what, like early 2000s and then it ranged to like 2011, 2012. So that's kind of the look and aesthetic they had going on with the series. So like with point two and three, I thought it was a huge step up that they... You know, they actually had, like, full-blown models, and, like, the graphics were just really crisp and nice-looking. Right. So I do agree with them on that. But, like you said before, you can't just focus on one aspect of the game. You also have to put your time into both, like, story, (laughs) which we have a lot to discuss on that. You have to focus on graphics, gameplay. Like, there's a lot more you have to do than just focus on one thing and be like, oh, that's the game. Right. Yeah, no, I, th- that, I, I can definitely get behind with that, so, <laughs> um, I mean, that's all I really have to say, like, about the gameplay and stuff like that, it's just that, like, you know, um, I do remember, actually, no, there was one more thing that I remembered was, um, when I mentioned this earlier, I must, like, expand that a little bit more, um, I don't have the interview with this, uh, uh, with me, but I know it exists somewhere out there. Um, but I do recall that there was an interview with one of the Osaka team members about regarding to how they wanted to expand or like how they were wanting to develop Kingdom Hearts 3 and they were under the impression that they were going to do the command deck and it was funny that Nomura was just like, uh, no, Kingdom Hearts 3, like, it's a number title. You have to do command menu. So, Mm. you know... Uh, one member was just like, I don't know how to develop Sora and stuff like that because he was using Kingdom Hearts 2 as a reference and such. And pretty much this, the summary of this part, um, he consulted with the team leader of Osaka, I believe, and uh, for the, the game development for this part. And, you know, they were just like, oh no, it's okay to add in the Osaka flavor and stuff like that and just go nuts with it. And uh, to say that it was a good or bad idea, well, that, that's... All I gotta say is that's up to for you to decide. Mm-hmm. But all I gotta say is I think they had a little bit too much fun with that. But, I mean, hey, they're the ones who developed the game and stuff like that. I can't say anything more beyond that. 
that's just my last comment on that matter. <laughs> yeah, like my last comment, and I'm going to get into more detail probably towards the end when we actually talk about Remind, is my concerns with the gameplay. Because if you kind of like go back to the old Kingdom Hearts games, like more specifically 2, because 2 is basically your only... It's not the only good reference for a Kingdom Hearts game that's good, but like it did everything right that time. Like drive forms were really nice to use. Actual combat was good. Magic was pretty good too. But like the biggest gripe I have for Kingdom Hearts 3 is how heavily you have to rely on links, especially for harder challenges like crit level one. I basically have cheesed like all the bosses I've done so far with links. Like, you know, I've switched between ralph simba and like others and i feel like i can't really play the game like that especially even on like normal crit like i feel like sometimes i have to cheese bosses because they're just that hard and it's really difficult to learn these bosses when that's kind of what kingdom hearts was all about in the past was learning to beat these bosses and then feeling like a god essentially when you do beat them right no i'm with you on this one because um when kingdom hearts 3 was released like there was only beginner standard and proud mode and you know i did the level one proud mode and i also did the critical mode there's not that much of a difference because it's not much of as a difficulty the only way how i could define the difficulty between level one proud and critical is pretty much just don't get hit just do not get hit that's the only thing there's no like different behavior ai changes with the bosses or the you know the enemies with the heartless the nobodies you name it and uh, the, the unfortunate part is, again, you only cheap your way through battles is through links or whatever, like, OP, Keyblade transformations, and even attraction flow as well. It cheaps your yes. way out of these things that I just, like, it kind of just takes away from that experience and such. Like, I'm not saying that they should not be in the game. It's fine if they are in the game and such, though, but I just don't want it to overrule that one, like, these other options to, in order to, like, defeat a certain type of boss and such, and again, I feel like it just took a steer, it took a different direction from the Kingdom Hearts 2 to what it had, so, um, yeah, no, like, I just, there was not that much of an actual, like, difficulty change to it, it's just, uh, health bar change, um, how many times you could use your magic and stuff like that, I just, it's it wasn't like an actual like challenge like oh wow like these bosses are hard to defeat no it's just the fact that like it became super tedious of cheaping your way to win and that was like my biggest thing that i just could not get behind that i'm like i i can't do this <laughs> and it's not even satisfying either like like i've played a little bit with edo doing a crit level one run and like some of these bosses that are enemy waves that we've been stuck on and then have gotten past like the victory didn't even feel sweet. I was just more annoyed than anything. Whereas in 2, you know, like, take the the, the first boss you you beat in uh, Beast's Castle, for an example. Like, that's a pretty difficult fight, especially on crit level 1. But the part about, like, constantly having to fight that thing over and over again when you're dying is you're learning along the way. And when you finally, like, have that one moment where everything clicks and you know exactly what to do and you beat them, it's satisfying because you feel like you are the one that solved that problem like you're the one that you that feels like you, like you're the one that beat the super boss or the boss or whatever you're doing in kingdom hearts like compared to three even normal bosses i'm cheesing with like magic or links and i don't like that because you know we have the freaking keyblade bro <laughs> like 
the yeah. Keyblade is such a powerful weapon, and that's basically like the message that I got at least playing all the games. And it's just kind of ironic and hypocritical of the development team for these newer games that put way too much focus on magic and all these like summons when you could be like destroying everybody with like the Olympus Keyblade or like even the classic for that matter. I feel like they put in a lot of stuff in terms of the gameplay, like a complimentary of all of the previous titles and such to like have that type of reminiscent feel for Kingdom Hearts 3. But I just don't think that was just executed that well, in my opinion, especially the one, the other things that they want to introduce to change up the game plan. I agree. I mean, we could talk about that more like in the future as well, but that's basically like the summed up version because... I'm really, like, the main reason I did this podcast is you seem to know the story more, I think, than, like, anybody I've met that plays Kingdom Hearts. Like, there's YouTubers out there that definitely, like, nail the story on the coffin, but, like, it's also a very confusing roller coaster of a story, and I feel like out of all the people that can properly explain the story, you do such a good job of summarizing it in a way that's understandable. So I was just kind of curious, like, what you thought about the story for Kingdom Hearts 3. Right, so the story, um, Kingdom Hearts 3's lore, I want to emphasize this, that, uh, to my knowledge, 0.2, Birth by Sleep, was actually supposed to be the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 3, so because that, that was simply divided into 2.8, basically as an excuse, so then there will be more room to make content and more things to get explained more properly in Kingdom Hearts 3. That was the reason of why this direction was take pl- uh, taking place. Mm-hmm. So, I don't mind the fact that, like, 0.2, it was its own thing and stuff like that. Like, I think, like, you know, starting out the adventure, like, okay, we have to get the power of waking and stuff like that. We need to build Sora back up. I understand that much. And, you know, he was supposed like... He was supposed to learn from Hercules from that, though, but it just did not get anywhere. Like, you know, Hercules was just, just like, oh, uh, sorry, I, I don't know how to help you. Um, yeah, we have trouble here. <laughs> uh, you want to help us out? But that was the thing, like, it never had, like, any type of, like, heavy resolution to that, though. It's just, like, you know, one thing that Sora just got an idea, but it never, it never advanced. It did not at all. And, um, it's just that that beginning part, though, like, at that moment, like, it stuck with me that some things in this game was going to be different. And I was hoping that it was just probably just the beginning, like, this is going to be a little bit wonky and more of a challenge for Sora to get this power of waking so then he will be able to wake up Ventus or go to the Realm of Darkness with Riku and Mickey. So, um... I'm, I'm gonna shove Sora back down for a little bit because I need to talk about Riku and Mickey for this part, mm, right? Yeah. So, here's my thing. I have talked about this in my YouTube videos uh, before. And I said that Riku, I don't think he was gonna have that much significance to the story. I feel like, like you know, he holds some type of weight to it because obviously, like, you know, he's, all, he's a Keyblade Master now. So... But I don't feel like that there was going to be anything that they were going to do with Riku um, in terms of his character. Because in his character arc, it ended in Dream Drop Distance. 
So, and I said this, the fact that he's just there to carry out the story and stuff like that, assist with the Guardians of Light, protect the Princesses of Heart, that was pretty much it. I'm not so sure what happened, um, I don't know why this topic was brought back up again about, like, you know, him questioning his darkness and stuff like that, I don't know why that was necessary, like, I mean, I'm glad that you already had your determination such, but... We already talked about this. We already decided this. What what is the self doubt about this now? What what why is this a thing? Yeah. And on top of that, we have Repliku, the Riku replica, or you know, or slash data. Well, I don't think there was data though, but like, I don't know why that replica came back. There was no reason for that replica to come back. I was just gonna say, yeah, that felt like. I, it's the same problem I have with a lot of the organization members. Like, some I felt like just came back for either, like, no reason or just for the sake of having, like, all 13 darknesses, basically. And guess what? When you bring them back and such, they actually had, like, 15. Just some of them just got shafted because they weren't important. Yeah, which is just strange to me. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't understand that one bit at all. Um... It was just basically fan service, and, uh, I mean, if you want these characters back for fan service, I mean, good. I mean, more power to you, but I'm gonna say this is the fact that, like, it diminishes the value of their endings, and basically what that scene was supposed to prove. Those scenes back in, like, the old Kingdom Hearts games, like, with Chain of Memories and such, Birth by Sleep... It diminishes that type of value because it's just like so everything that we did that that the endings and such for these characters, I thought that was the conclusion of that. Why was that brought back up again? Like now that just completely changed that, and it's just you know. Then we had the logic of vessels with Zexion and such, and then pretty much putting the hearts in these said so bodies or vessels that you would say in the game. So I didn't understand that. And that's where I had a problem. Going to another transition right there is time travel. Uh, yeah, see, Tim, the thing with time travel in, like, games or movies or books, I mean, such a hard concept to explain. And the fact that you're putting it in a game that's already so confusing to grasp, like Kingdom Hearts, just, it doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, it definitely doesn't. And I thought that... That was going to be the end. Well, not the end of it, but, like, there won't be any more complexity added into that after Dream Drop Distance. Because if you want to add time travel, okay, fine, do it. But that whole thing when all those members that pretty much, before they died, quote-unquote died, you know, they time travel for this event to happen so they can make Sword the 13th Vessel, but that did not happen. And then seeing their return just out of nowhere in Kingdom Hearts 3 just... How are you here? Please explain. Yeah, like, what is going on? I, I don't understand. So, um, moving forward with that, now that I've already addressed my little bit of concern with Riku and such, and then going a little bit about the organizations, I'm going to uh, go back to the organizations in a minute, though. But now we're going to bring back my boy, Sora. Oh, man. <sighs> okay. I want to emphasize this. I love Sora. I do. I'm just not digging Kingdom Hearts 3 Sora right now. Facts. I'm not. I agree I, with that. I can't. I I have tried. I have 
tried to find some type of light that would like maybe that I could probably see the validation of this for Sora to be likable in Kingdom Hearts 3. I just I couldn't. It's just the fact that like he gives me dream drop distance Sora vibes and Sora was pretty much unintelligent. Instead of questioning these things that are happening around him and such, he basically just goes along with it and it's like, oh yeah, no, you're a good guy. I can already tell. Yeah, like, I hated that. Like, in the past games, what I've noticed from Sora is that that's literally, that's kind of just him growing up is like him exploring these different worlds and questioning things that are going on, like, such as, you know, the world conflicts with Disney worlds and then like the actual Kingdom Hearts story. Like, it's showing him growing up, which I can appreciate. But then you get to three and they kind of just threw away his entire killed character and built this kind of like, I don't know, to me, he was kind of like a pansy throughout the whole game. Like, you know, he was so built up upon like, the power of friendship and like, nothing can break me with my friends n near me. And it's like, even then, like, he's also realized throughout his journey that sometimes he himself is alone, too. And then when he is alone, he's still, you know, like, he feels powerless in a sense, but like, he's still got to do work. But in three, like, especially near the part, and I mean, obviously, this is spoilers, but, you know, especially during the near of the end in the, the Keyblade graveyard, where everybody technically was sucked into the darkness, except for him and Riku before um, all that stuff happened, he just like gave up. And I was, I, I could not believe that he just straight up right in front of his friend just started like, crying and giving up. I mean, crying, I could... I can understand that. I mean, you, you just lost a bunch of your friends randomly, but like all that hope that you had in your heart this entire time just vanished in that one moment all of a sudden. And it just did not make sense to me. And you know, when you saying that, I thought that would give Sora the incentive to like make, like actually like, you know what? There's this one scene that I want to take advantage out of um, from the Pirates of the Caribbean in Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, when um, um, that guy that was stabbed, I forgot his name, uh, Will Turner. Yes, Will Turner. When he was stabbed by Davy Jones and such, like, Sora, like, completely lost it. Like, instead of, like, th this man who has the power to wield a Keyblade, has magic, can summon out bumper cars and ferris wheels to beat the crap out of somebody and such. No, this man actually uses his bare fist and beats the crap out of that guy. I could not that believe happened... that. <laughs> yes, right? Now, see, if that happened in the Keyblade graveyard, because that's his friends. Like, the people, like, th those were just, like, you know, those are, like, friends' friends, like, traveler friends, though, but that's the main crew that he, quote-unquote, lost during that time. So I thought that would give him the incentive to go find that stupid old geezer and kick his ass with his bare hands. Yeah, I like, would appreciate that a whole lot more. Yeah, like, I've always wanted this in a game. Like, I just want to see Sora lose it one day. Like, like, when you've basically taken everything from him and awakened the rage that's inside him. Not necessarily, like, the rage to possibly lead him to becoming, like, a dark character... But just, like, to show that he's had it and he's done and he's just going in, like, full-on brute force. Because if he did it in Pirates, like, why did he just give up on the spot there? It, it makes no sense. The correlation between those two scenes, there is none. Like, you know, Will Turner was stabbed and then, like you said before, I mean, the man threw hands with Davy Jones. Like, he, he was not having that shit. 
and then he goes to the Keyblade graveyard. He's like, Wee, I can't do it anymore. I lost all my friends. Like, <laughs> like, what does that... It just it makes no sense to me why he did that. Exactly. And then, of course, like, Riku was just like, all right, come on, buddy. Like, get your shit together. Come on. Yeah, like, really. Like, he was the wielder. main protagonist to me in this whole game, personally. Like, I felt like Riku was just... Like, even though his arc, arc did end... The way he carried himself throughout the whole game, it made me feel like he was the main protagonist of the game. Definitely. I do agree with that much, yeah. And speaking of giving up, I need to, I need to bring her up. I need to talk about her because I'm going to say this right now. She was actually one of my top favorite Kingdom Hearts characters in the entire series. And yeah, after three, that just stopped. That she dropped for me. I'm sorry. Oh no. But my girl Aqua. I'm sorry, but I'm going to. I'm sorry. I gotta get on your case. You are not safe from this excuse at all. You who have suffered for at least 14 years being in the realm of darkness alone and such. I would understand if you were to give up by the time that you were stuck for years in the realm of darkness, but at the Keyblade Graveyard, where you're with people this time. Uh, girl, why? why? Why did you literally, like, say, we stand together? Five seconds later, drop that Keyblade, and we were just like, oh my god, no, and then you just accepted your fate. Like, girl, like, you're a Keyblade Master. You are disgracing your... You know, your former master's name. You're wielding his keyblade, and that's what you gotta say? I'm done with you, Aqua. I'm sorry, but no. (laughs) Yeah, that just felt so disrespectful to me that a lot of... I mean, not even just her, either. Like, I mean, yeah, we had, like, you know, Axel, or also known as Lee fighting, and then we had, um, kind of Sora, and then, like, you know... There were a few other keyblade wielders there that were actually fighting, but, like, Aqua... Like, this is from, this is a birth by sleep character. This is basically, like, the origins of Keyblade Masters. And that's what she does? She just gives up? And, you know, it's funny because Sora commented the fact that she has, she, he personally believes that she has the strongest heart of them all. And, yeah, no, that just, (laughs) that theory has been disproven. (laughs) That didn't even prove anything at all. It did not. And, you know, and here's my thing. Um, speaking with her character, um, Aqua, she has not had much of character development. When, you know what? Let me say this right now. That's okay. She doesn't, characters sometimes, they don't need development in any way to make the story or their characters more interesting. They don't have to do that. I'm going to emphasize that right now. But what I am going to say is when I was under the impression of these trailers, Um, back in Kingdom Hearts, well, back in Kingdom Hearts, who am I talking about? Back in 2018, when they decided to randomly drop the Aqua Nort reveal, as we labeled it back back in those early days uh, at E3, when they actually touched upon the story. That was the first, actually, yeah, I think that was the first, like, heavy lore Related thing that they actually dropped for Kingdom Hearts 3 that made the internet freak out. And, oh my, I was screaming my lungs out. So, I was going to be under this impression that she has... Because, again, like, having the yellow eyes and the white hair, like, that correlates of you being Norted. Because we have also seen the other examples with Terra Nord, for example. So, 
um, after 0.2, since Xehanort had the idea of where Ven is and stuff like that, in order to get to Ven, he needed to go to Aqua. So I was under that impression that after that she has been found and such, you know, she is going to join the organization by force or by willingly and such. I, I, at that time, I did not know. But it was interesting enough. It's just like, oh, wow, Aqua has had a dark turn. Like, she is doing something that, like, the master told her not to do. And something that's just completely out of her character, though. But this is a good dark turn, though. Yeah. No? Back in Kid- when we got to Kingdom Hearts 3, all what happened was Ansem just threw this big, dark, dark magic at her face. And, yeah, technically she was just being possessed by whatever dark force and such. And after that, you just had to beat the crap out of her to knock the sense out of her. And then, yeah, that's it. Yeah, like, It was not true. That just made me so disappointed because, like, back when we did have those trailers and, I mean, this is this was when I didn't even start Kingdom Hearts. So this should at least say something. But, like, even I was kind of hyped. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wonder how she actually got, like, you know, how she got norted. Because at the time, I didn't know what that meant until I played the games. So I was like, oh, I see what that means because... I've always wanted to see at least one of the powerful Keyblade wielders in the game, like, turn dark, because you kind of want to see that side and, like, what happens to them, not just, like, you know, they're dark from the get-go, like, the organization members, like, they're they're essentially dark from the get-go, and, you know, excluding the mobile game where some of the characters from the organization are in there, like, before they turn to the organization, I'm talking, like, characters that started good and then turned bad, like, I wanted to see Aqua's transformation, not her get, you know, smacked in the face and then thrown in the water and then just suddenly turn evil. Like, that's just sort of, that's anticlimactic in just a really lame way of, you know, making her evil for the sake of a plot. Yeah, like, I would, honestly, I... I wouldn't have not had a problem if she was in order to begin with and stuff like that, though. But it's just, like, when I was under that impression... I thought, like, that would have been an actual good turn and such. I'm not saying that she should have not been saved or anything like that. Like, no, we didn't save, save that girl. But it's just the way of how it happened, it just felt like, oh, well, we just had to hit you a couple times with Sora's Keyblade and that's the end. Nothing else. Yeah, the it end. just made her look weak. And that's not what Aqua is at, at all. She's a very strong person. Like, besides just being a Keyblade wor- warrior, she's got a strong heart. And they just kind of threw away that character development she had throughout Birth by Sleep and Point 2. Right. So that's to what I was saying is the fact that, like, this could have been an actual, like, good turn and such as to, like, why, like, especially, like, if this was willingly and such. And when we we got to that part of Kingdom Hearts 3, like, you know, she was like, oh, yeah, Mickey, you abandoned me and stuff like that. I would have felt like, you know, her cooking Mickey like that? I, that would have been fine if that was real. Like, she actually joined in the organization. That would have been perfect. But, no. It, that was just basically her, quote-unquote, dark side or dark force of evil that whatever Ansem threw at her just talking. That's not how she truly feels. But, okay, alright, you can go off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go off, queen. So, but... Yeah, no, and now, uh, speaking of organization members <laughs> uh ansem mm-hmm. um so here's my thing with the organization members um I, I i know i just said this earlier about like they only return for this fan service and such but why was it necessary 
Because if you really think about it, like, they were just there to fill up the seats for Xanar, which that's obvious, that's fine. But it's just the fact of, like, they didn't have any weight. Like, they didn't have any of the reasons of them joining, rejoining the organization, but this time under Master Xanar's control, his direct command. There was not any reason explained with almost anybody that entered into the organization as to why they're helping this stupid old geezer again. Yeah. So, and, ooh, these two characters that really agitated me with this idea. The two traitors, the former traitors, Marluxia and Larxene, they're not a fan of, you know, being a member of the organization. They want to be the leader of the organization because back in Chain of Memories, they wanted to overthrow the organization, stuff like that. But guess what? That failed. So why are they back in again? Like, what made Master Zayn or, or what made them work out the deal for them that they can rejoin again? And even Larkseen was just like, oh, I don't want to help out with that, you know, that stupid old geezer with his plans. Let's, like, take over again. Let's try that shit again. But... Nothing was explained as to like why they were helping him out and such. Like, what what was your motive? What do you gain out of it? Yeah, like personally, and I don't know if this would have happened if maybe the like, games were made different for like story wise. But it would have been kind of cool to see Marluxia and Larcine, um come together, like with Sora in the group like that. Because you know, originally, like. They wanted to overthrow the organization, but that failed. But, you know, they should at least... That's how we saw them at first, like, in Chain of Memories. Like, you'd think you'd want to keep that motive for them because it's also part of their character development. Because it makes them do actions that define them from their goal of trying to overtake the organization. So I think it would have been kind of cool to see them turn to the light side and been like, you know what, we'll help you guys destroy the organization because, you know, what? Like, what's the point of overthrowing it now? Or something along those lines. Because, like, it makes no sense for them to just randomly join back. They, they, they were just kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm back. What's up? Yeah. So, all that time, like, basically, everything that I've learned from the previous games and such, it just felt like it was completely irrelevant as to, like, what made, for them, retu- what made them return for this part. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And ba- basically, like, again, they came back. For fan service and to show off their own pretty attractive way of having a playground fight at Dirtland. Yeah, that's basically that's basically that entire fight summed up. And oh my, but yeah, that's my big issue with that. Um, but yeah, no, hold on, we're we're going on to the more of the organization members. I'm not done here. We're not done. Oh man, <laughs> he's just getting started. Terranort. Mm. And Xehanort. They're at the same time. Yeah, literally how. How? That's because, here's the thing. They gave the logic that, you know, if a body has been split between the heart and the the nobody, and if they're strong-willed, that nobody will basically, like, take form of that, you know, the body, like, that was left behind. And the Heartless, well, it might have a human-shaped form as well. So, you destroy the Heartless, you destroy the Nobody, and as Jensen said back in Recoded, that will reconstruct it to the original form before the, the, their destruction happened. 
So, guess what? Xehanort, he gave out his heart. And his heart became the Heartless, and then the body, it became the Nobody. Creating the existence of Ansem and Xemnas. And even they pointed this out in Kingdom Hearts 3 and such. Like, why does these his Heartless and his Nobody look so young? He must have used another body to do that because his body was too old at the time, which he took form into Terra. Terranor. So, you do the math there, and, you know, when we go back to Kingdom Hearts 3, transitioning from Dream Drop Distance to 3, you would expect for Terranor to return, not Master Xehanort, because back in Dream Drop Distance, that was the time travel bullshit that they pulled off. But... If you go back into 3 and such, for them to actually fully return to that land, you would expect Terranor. But, unfortunately, as to what I read upon, um, yeah, they still did the time travel, but this time with the heart. So then they could put it into a vessel. That Terranor came from Birth by Sleep, and then Master Xehanort, he was able to come back. And that is just sounds so redundant it just did not make sense anymore and basically and i'm gonna say this right now terra's return now that i know that that's the one for birth by sleep and not the present terror that we should see today oh yeah no like that weight value the sentimental value that that scene got it just got completely diminished gone completely gone yeah so i uh. i don't understand like what was the point of that and i don't know it's just like and that makes me question, I'm like, so, who was that? Like, who was that guy controlling, like, I get like, yes, I know that Xehanort, though, but it's just like, is Master Xehanort aware of this or whatever and stuff like that? I, I, I don't understand. I just do not understand. Like, I, I have a hard time comprehending this. It, it makes my head hurt. I mean, you're doing a better job of actually, like, retelling it, because I can't even explain what the hell's going on with that. No. It just makes no sense. Yeah, no, it, it's just that point that I have. It's just the fact that, like, scenes like that, I don't understand why you would kill that through the Ultimania. Because I read this upon the Ultimania, which it has the questions uh, uh, questions answered by Nomura and then maybe other a few other staff members that knew the head of the development team for Kingdom Hearts in terms of the story, gameplay, you name it. So... When I read that, it's just, I... Okay, alright, well, that's Terra, that's not the actual Terra, that shit we should be seeing. Nope, that's the one in Birth by Sleep, ten years ago. So, I I mean, yeah, okay, like, that's nice, That that's cool and such, but, no. And you know what, now that I'm just saying this, speaking of character development such for these sets of characters that did not have any for three, now I'm just really thinking about it. How in the world, how in the world did Disney characters have better character development than the original Kingdom Hearts characters in the series? I have an answer for that, honestly. Oh? Like, okay, if you think about it, honestly, I kind of see, like, Kingdom Hearts 1 as more of just, like, a side story excuse to put Disney characters in there. Like, that's, I feel like that's how the game grew to be like somehow they you know they wanted to add like some sort of like interesting t storytelling they were like hey let's get Nomura and just make this you know cool like I don't know like weird Final Fantasy like crossover with with like just Disney themes like 
you know, finding yourself and like getting to know yourself better and following your heart. And, like, may the light be the key to unlock the door to like, you know, whatever. Like just corny, lighthearted themes like that. So they added these characters because I feel like Disney characters are so easy to develop in a game like that because I mean they're already pre-made all you have to do is just recreate certain experiences but add Sora into the mix and that's right. kind of like their theme but then you go to like the actual story for Kingdom Hearts and they're they're struggling to develop these original characters like you know Kyrie and um, Aqua and whatnot and like you know obviously Sora and Riku too I they just focus way too much on the Disney aspect because they want it to be a Disney game while also trying to focus on the main storyline. So it's like, I feel like they were just having a gamble at it, like, hmm, which story should I focus on more? And then they were just like, you know, screw it, we're going to focus on Disney. And then they just kind of added the side story there. Right, yeah. And that was the thing for, like, Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, I feel, because the thing is that we've learned in the world is that you, they have to focus on playing their stories and such. Like, basically how what we've seen in the Disney classics of the movies and such. I thought that was set at least an example for these characters that they could take upon and learn from them. Yeah, yeah, no. They actually, as a matter of fact, like they're they're shining more than the actual Kingdom Hearts characters in three at least. And I I, I just can't. I don't know. Like it, it really hurts for me to say that because it kind of changed into like basically like the biggest. Uh, how would I like to call this? Uh, what was that name for? Oh, right. Uh, uh, it was basically, it, it, it's basically fan writing at that point of, like, crossovers and such. Yeah. So, which I guess, like, that's kind of how it is to begin with, though, but, oof, boy, babe, I, I can't, that, that hurts for me to say that. Um, so, and you know what, speaking of development, I'm gonna attack her. I, I do not think I was not going to attack her, because I know there has been a huge controversy division with this topic this but is the i gotta put an end to this i gotta put an end to this my motherfucking girl Kyrie. there it is <sighs> that poor girl how i'm sorry i'm telling you you must have like died secretly in kingdom hearts 2 like back when you entered to that dark portal you must have died right there i'm sorry but like <laughs> wow how <laughs> I'm sorry, like, you did nothing to, like, I'm sorry, like, there's not anything that, like, she actually did, and there's this one big argument that I see, oh, well, Kyrie is basically the only one that's maintaining Sora's heart's existence, so, like, he didn't fade away through what happened to the Keyblade Graveyard, yes, I see your point with that, though, but, like, let me just say this right now, that's not saying much, like, for her to, like, be giving Sora the opportunity to save the other seven Guardians of Light, that's not saying much. Because that, literally, like, Namora, if he wanted to, like, Sora's heart, it's supposedly strong because of his connections to others and such. Yeah. So, Kyrie's like, quote-unquote assistance to that, that could have been, like, not written all in the story, and that still would prove the point. So, about saving lives and stuff like that, yeah, no, that's not much compared to what Sora has done, which it's saving the freaking, the worlds in between, everywhere, twice. Twice. In Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2, and you get the idea. You get the point. And 
I'm afraid to say this though, but guess what? A girl who only had a few lines, who didn't even show up on screen, who was not even showcasing Unreal Engine 4, who was only showcasing CGI at the end, nominee. That girl did more than Kyrie, which is bringing back Tara. Could any of the rest of the characters do that? No. They tried. Didn't happen. Yeah, they basically just made, like, after two, I've always just seen Kyrie as, like, a side chick in the story. Like, just, you know, unfortunately, I've just been seeing her as, like, you know, uh, Sora's girl, which I know to some. That sounds very disrespectful. Like, oh, don't not underestimate Kyrie. Well, give me a scene from KH3 where you can convince me because I'm pretty sure you can't. Like, how is it that you went into a hyperbolic time chamber, a different world outside of one with time, to train and understand the arts of being a Keyblade master, and you're out here swinging that sword like it's a freaking tree stick that you found off of a tree, and you're trying to fight Saix? how like what were like okay i'm not expecting like keyblade master level but girl what were you doing throughout that time were you fucking around because that's the under the impression that i'm i'm in uh, sadly yeah like what are you trying to do (laughs) are you okay (laughs) yeah i'm sorry but like whoever did you dirty like dang i'm sorry like You like you did more in Kingdom Hearts two than you did for three. Like that was not supposed to happen. Oh my lord. Oh no. Yeah. So I I don't know. It's just that has always stuck with me. And again, we're gonna talk a little bit more about this of Kyrie for Remind because again, like this is basically our briefs with Kingdom Hearts three and such though. But this is basically like adding on to the reason of like our interesting experiences with three. And, you know, that's pretty much, like, the main point of that story that I just have to say. But if we're if we're going to conclude this in the right way, I need to squeeze this in as well. Which is my biggest problem that I have with the game. Uh, basically, my biggest problem with Kingdom Hearts 3 that I had overall was my questions that I've waited for for years... That was supposed to be answered. Let me say this right now. They were supposed to be answered. It's not supposed to be like, oh, well, it was never guaranteed. No. It's an editor of saga and such. That's how it should have ended to begin with. And those questions, they were either A, skimmed over, B, unanswered, or C, just basically just gave me some type of unlogical, um, yeah, like basically a not logical answer that just basically contradicts to whatever happened at this scene or that scene and so on forward like um i prepared up a brief a little bit of a list right here um the first one what the fuck is kingdom hearts please tell me what the fuck is kingdom hearts i don't know what kingdom hearts is because apparently the stupid door that we saw in kingdom hearts one and the stupid heart moon that we saw in kingdom hearts two was not the real kingdom Hearts. so what is the real kingdom hearts what is it like it was a door it was a moon and now it's like like what even is it? We don't know. And the only thing I know is that we bring in this, uh, the mobile game, Union Cross, because unfortunately it has some weight to the actual storyline. I don't know why, but it does. And through that movie, uh, Unchained Key Back Cover, um, Gula, one of the foretellers, mentions that he needs Lux for this big summoning of Kingdom Hearts. But we never got to see it. We don't know how that works. 
And apparently it's forbidden to summon Kingdom Hearts. So, <sighs> yeah, I, I, that, that never got touched upon and I thought I would see it. And I don't know if the Kingdom Hearts that we saw in 3 was even real or not. I still don't know. I'm confused. So, that's one. Another addition. What was the purpose of the black box? Yeah, Why literally. make it so important? And I thought that was going to be answered in 3 and such. Like... Here's the thing, that, that thing came from Unchained Key, and apparently it's supposed to go beyond further in the Kingdom Hearts title, so... In a way, I'll excuse that, though, but, like, why was it so important for 3? That never was answered. All I know is the fact that, like, again, just Unchained Key characters came back for the ending. That's it. Yeah, I feel like on top of that, like, because, you know, it was Maleficent and um, Pete that were hunting for it, too, right? Right. So... Yep. My thing with that is, I feel like they were, it was a very bad attempt at trying to foreshadow the next game, but like, you know, they had way too many cutscenes with them to the point where it was like, what are you even doing in this game anymore? Like, you, for the story-wise, for KH3, you serve literally no purpose, which is sad because Pete and Maleficent were in the games originally as like some sort of villain or an obstacle in their path. They were not even close to being an obstacle. Maleficent was just kind of like, Lamouse, Sora, you're weak. And Sora was like, oh, call me weak. And then that <laughs> he like brushed it off and moved on. And they weren't any other sort of obstacle since then. And then, you know, post-game we're here and it's like, then you find out the big secret that Zigbar is you-know-who. Uh, spoilers, I'm not going to like totally spoil it for those that actually want to mm. play the game. But I mean, then again, if you're at this podcast, you probably play the game. But besides that it's like what was the point of that besides maybe possible foreshadowing and and we, and we nobody opened it either when it was found, yes, nobody that's the opened other thing it too hmm. like okay you don't have to tell me the contents of the box but like hype up the mystery a little bit because right now i don't care at all right now i just think it's a funny little black box and, there, and probably solid snakes under it like for all i know Probably. Like, who knows? Maybe Snake will appear with, like, a keyblade and be like, Colonel, I'm gonna kill Sora. Like, you know, something <laughs> like that. But, like, what's right. the point of the box? I, I don't know, and that that's the thing, is the fact that they dragged this whole thing on. It's like, it loses my interest that way. Yeah, so, like, even the hype up, quote-unquote, the hype up for it was not lived to its expectation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's one thing that I had a problem with that, though. Um, here's another one. Why did Xion rejoin Organization 13? Literally, why is she back? <laughs> she, wasn't, she wasn't even Norton. How did that puppet girl come back? I'm sorry, but, like, that, what happened in days? That, that... Yeah, she literally died. <laughs> like, she what? actually, like, died because she wasn't real. She actually wasn't real. And, like, she it, was you not only, like, for the sake of bringing her back, ruined that part of Kingdom Hearts 3, but you also just ruined Days' ending. Like, that's kind of an iconic ending if you think about it. Like, yep. Rox is holding Xion as she's, like, limp on the ground and basically having, like, a few last words before she disappears. And that completely destroys Rox's and then the audience reaction to that is like, dude, what? Like, I'm so sad. Like, you know, some people probably cried. Some people didn't care. But like, you know, the emotions are there. But now everything about that scene is worthless now because she randomly comes back for the sake of the story. Yep. And again, to appeal to the fans, uh, fan service and such without adding an actual logical explanation that would actually make the story interesting. 
Yeah. So, yeah, that that's another problem that I had. This one. Um, I did my research on this, and I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find a legitimate, like, actual answer to this. And I had this uh, question since Chain of Memories. What were Marluxia's intentions from the very beginning, and what made him pursue of originally overthrowing Organization 13? Like, I get that he wanted to have the Keyblade's power in his hand and stuff like that, but for what gain does he get out of that? Like... I'm pretty sure it wasn't just to be power hungry about that. There was something more, especially if you add in Union Cross and such, about, you know, his real self is Larium. What was the purpose? I don't, like, wh- why did he actually do this? And why did his character basically did a 180 in 3? So, I can't. I can't. For me, like, I only really cared about the story, and for me... The reason on that is because it made sense to me going from Kingdom Hearts 1 to Birth by Sleep. Like, I felt like everything made enough sense that I could grasp the concept and understand it and then think the game was cool. And then once you get to recode it, it's like the story just kind of ruined itself. Yeah. Like, they should have introduced new characters instead of bringing back the old organization members if you're going to kill off the character. Right, and I feel like Union Cross would have been at least enough, because again, I don't like Union Cross, but if since they did Union Cross, again, they could do the time travel thing and stuff like that, and then they could have ta- time traveled to the future. Instead of bringing these characters back, and if they brought those characters, I'd be a little bit more okay with that. Yeah. So, I, I don't know what they were doing with that. So, um, and again, an- another organization member that I want to tackle, Dimix. Why was he there? I'm sorry. What is even Demix's existence anymore? He, he literally is Toby from Naruto in the group. That's literally of who he is. And I, I, so, I swear to God, if I get the whole, the fact that he is master of masters, I'm done. I am done. Do not talk to me. I am going to be that, done. Besides the fact that like Demix would be a very weird character to make like the secret behind all of this. Not only that, it's just like... He did literally nothing, essentially since Kingdom Hearts 2. Like, he's a pointless character. Yeah. There there should be no reason why you're bringing him back. I I can't. It just actually... I, I, I don't know. I just hope that they don't overuse the recycle characters and such. I'm like, oh, well, this guy was my ancestor that's now possessing my body as of right now and such. I hope they don't keep doing that because it was already fine for one character that made complete sense. I don't need any more additions to that and redundant uh, uh, methods to come back. So that's another one. And another question. Who was the girl? Who in the hell were they talking about? Lee and Isa and the girl, the nameless star in the final world. Who? Who is it? I why was that unanswered? Why Why are we, like, still having the idea of, like, oh, that's a little secret and stuff like that? I'm getting tired of that. This is supposed to be the end of the saga. I literally so, like, give up. <laughs> I, yeah, at that point, I gave up. I'm like, who was that? Like, wh- why Why is this a secret right now? This is not setting up for anything. Like, it's just there just because for shits and giggles and to, like, basically laugh at you. Like, oh, yeah, you thought you were going to get an answer on this? Oh, no, you're not. Um... So yeah, that, that's my other problem. Uh, my biggest problem 
that basically like the, the biggest question that's been talked about in Kingdom Hearts 3. What is the power of waking and what the hell was its risks? There was never a clear explanation of that. I still don't understand what the point of the power of waking is anymore. And how are you supposed to know if you have it? Because it seems that Yensen didn't even have a clue. Yeah, he didn't even have a clue of what that was. Or not of what it was, but it to know if Sora were to have it or not and such. And then guess what? He Sora goes through all the Disney worlds and then gets to the, the land of departure. Oh, you've always had it. You just never knew how to use it. Okay. Okay. Alrighty then. That's that's and guess what? All we know is the fact that apparently since that supposedly helped him, it killed him at the end. It killed him. But hold on. I'm I'ma save that note because again, this is where Remind is gonna come in, and we're about to approach that very soon. So I have that question as well. Um And you know, again, who was the traitor of the foretellers? What drove Xehanort to do what he did and stuff like that? And the one thing that I learned in the Ultimedia is the fact that Xehanort's backstory and for him to basically become the main antagonist, apparently, if that were to be explained, Kingdom Hearts, the Xehanort saga, it would not be over. So, Nomura's strategy was to basically shelve it in the back for now until it's time to explain that. He's dead. He's dead now. He's literally dead. He's literally dead. So you might as well just explain that, like, how how do you do that to one of your characters? It just now does not make any sense. He was this science scientist that has a scientific curiosity regarding the, the actual X-Blade and the true Kingdom Hearts. And yeah, no, nothing. We never got to know his motives and stuff like that. All we know is the fact that he expresses that he thinks that the world is a failure. Whatever structure of the world that has been built upon, it's a complete failure. So he wants to reestablish between light and darkness. But we never got to know why. We don't we don't get to see an example of how it's, you know, the light and dark the darkness, it's not a perfect balance or it's not equality or whatever. I don't know what he was trying to accomplish now. And I don't know if we're ever gonna learn that. Hopefully I'm remind, but again, we're gonna tackle on that. Um and then basically Everything that has happened for this Keyblade War to happen. Seven Princesses of Heart, um, Hearts of Princesses. We didn't even have a complete seven. They were completely irrelevant because regardless, the seven Keyblade wielders clashing with the 13 Darknesses, which half of them don't even use Keyblades, they still were able to spawn the Keyblade. That still did not make any sense. I still don't know anything about that. So it's just like, you know... What does the 13 Darknesses have anything to do with the 7 Hearts of Princesses? I still don't get that. And, um... I... And, like, how, how does this exactly work for the 13 Darknesses in this quote-unquote Keyblade War? Because, like I said earlier, some of the organization members, they didn't use Keyblades and such. And, to my knowledge, back in the quote-unquote uh, previous Keyblade Wars, or Great Battles, they were all using Keyblades. So what happened? I at this rate, I just play the game for the, the gameplay. <laughs> yeah. Like, what kind of so, like? How am I supposed to know these things? Yeah. So basically, like, I know I went off to a little bit of a tangent, but th this is exactly to what I'm talking about with these answers and stuff like that. It was supposed to conclude. I can go on and list more though, but it's these things that I'm saying that for that specific saga. 
to have a proper conclusive ending for these characters and such they don't have to die no one has to die some characters they have to die sometimes they have to die some characters are supposed to stay dead some of them are supposed to stay dead but at least just like don't don't like wait up for the next series and such because i just or not the next series but like the next like new storyline i don't understand that it doesn't give me any like clarity in my mind and not i mean i guess satisfaction though but like what i want to say is the fact that i'm tired of waiting and i have come to learn that just everything is now just going to a runoff circle that like where is this gonna end where is this going to actually like be a put to stop to this said so subject yeah so yeah so all those unanswered questions and stuff like that that's basically to what made me not have the pleasure of liking kingdom Hearts 3 as much as i thought i or i would hope so as much um because again like if there was anything that were to tease about the new uh about the future games fine that's completely fine i'm totally okay with that but not some things that i don't want things to be dragged on that i have waited for like more than like four to five years and such all for it to just be for nothing nothing explained and we had to accept that because kingdom hearts the end because namora because namora basically so with that all be with that all of that being said now that we have put it put out our briefs let's talk about remind oh man so for me so okay post kh3 it took me a minute to kind of come to terms that kingdom hearts 3 is not the game i thought it would be and i was let down more than i was uh like happy to play the game i'm not saying the game was a complete like shit show or anything like i still like the game it's just that like god i wish there was effort put into it but now that we have remind we've gotten three trailers for it so far um the first one came out like six months ago so somewhere maybe in like may or june ish i can't really confirm that but somewhere around there we got those trailers and you know at first i knew they were going to do some sort of dlc it felt kind of obvious to me but like you know there was kind of a little bit of extra story and then we were introduced to the fact that like we're getting potential like master of master cutscenes, um and then obviously Oathkeeper and oblivion are being included with some free updates as well but it didn't really kick off until like the second and third trailer. And the third trailer was released a few days ago. Accidentally leaked three or four. But mm-hmm. um, like the second trailer really showed off um, a little more of the story and like um, super bosses. So I'm like, I'll talk about it very, very soon. But like, I am incredibly hyped for the super bosses. That right there is my selling point because. At this point, I've given up on the story. Like, I just, I don't care about it anymore because it's, I I feel like I'm putting way too much effort just to understand a story that I don't really even like to begin with. But I will admit there are parts of the gameplay that I appreciate more than anything that keeps me hooked. So the fact that we're finally getting another round of super bosses like that again on the organization members, that's really cool to me. And that's my selling point. Um, but that's basically what was shown in that trailer. But the third trailer, basically, (sighs) my, my summarized reaction for that was, 
Why the fuck was that not in the beginning of the game? Why was none of that mentioned in the game? Like, it, it makes no sense to me that they were just like, oh yeah, let's let's tell the story we forgot to tell through DLC. I, why? Why was that not part of the game? I wouldn't have even mind, I didn't even mind waiting another year for it. But they just went ahead and waited on it for DLC and we're like, yeah, we'll just add it there and then hopefully people will understand the story. Like, I don't know, that that just seems so lazy to me. And so now that you mentioned that, um, to what we've seen, because um, I figured that there was going to be that type of thing uh, with Remind. So with all that being said, for what we've seen in the trailers, I don't understand why this took so long. Um, I don't don't know what went down through the development process and stuff like that for the game, but this is way too long in my own personal opinion. I don't know like if this had to be like retouched upon to make sure that this is okay, but this, I, I I can't say that like, I mean, if this really does say like here, hold on, I'm actually going to mention this synopsis because it also included the synopsis after they dropped this, uh, trailer so uh and they talk about saying that this is the other um the other tale that happened right before the climax of kingdom hearts 3 and that's already a bad starting sentence for me on that though i'm like why the other tale you know so i'll read this aloud remind the other tale that unfolded during the climax of Kingdom Hearts 3. Determined to rescue Kyrie, Sora travels to the Keyblade Graveyard a short time before the final battle was to take place. Lacking a corporeal form, he traces the hearts of the Seven Guardians of Light. Through experiencing their personal battles firsthand, Sora is about to discover the truth that he has never before imagined. So why do we need to re-talk about... Aqua struggles because that's under the impression again this is under the impression and such we don't know what's going to happen in the game though but that's pretty much as to what it's telling me and it's like this is already bad as it is like right now since again Kingdom Hearts 3 it felt not really complete with that and I know like that's a very bold statement to say this but allow me to say it though why the other tale that has to be told through DLC that right there we're going to the Final Fantasy 15 path um, so, with that being said about the the other tale and such, now, there has been some unfair comparisons about 2FM, like, you know, oh, well, back then, like, there, you know, in, back in the old days, for 2FM, they would sell Final Mix, which is basically, like, new content and stuff like that, new additions and such, okay? So, let me bring Kingdom Hearts 2FM real quick, Okay. Back then, we did not have the ability to distribute copies through DLCs of basically the quote-unquote final mix. You had to basically rebuy the game again. But here's the thing, though. Final mix of Kingdom Hearts 2, and pretty much one as well, I could say this, actually. But when they distributed these final mixes, it wasn't a band-aid, as I would like to say, for 3. It's not about telling the other tale and stuff like that. No. What it really is, is it's telling, it's basically including some, you know, cool content and stuff like that. Something for you more to do and such, post-game content and such, if, if you're just bored. 
which is cool. It's great and such. You do more, a little bit of exploration. You get more cool abilities and stuff like that. That's great and all. But let me tackle on the story and such. Nowhere in Kingdom Hearts 2, vanilla Kingdom Hearts 2, nowhere did we have any hints that Birth by Sleep was going to be a thing. No hints that Lingering Will was going to be a thing. Oh, Tell really? me where. Yeah, there was no hints of that until Final Mix was dropped. Wow. So, it's not for them to put a band-aid to, like, say, like, you know, to tease a little bit more about that. No, the Final Mix was the first time that they're teasing events that are yet to be told in the future and such. While for Remind, it's basically explaining the other things that were just, like I said earlier, questions that are left unanswered and such. Everything that, the, the complaints about the game and such, it it's just basically that band-aid to fix it, which... I mean, here's the thing that, regardless, like, that's cool that they're doing this now and such, though, but, like, it's not worth it. At least in my case, it's not. But if you think that is, that's more power to you and such. But it's just the fact that I had to find out through this DLC expansion that costs $30 to know about the other half. And, yeah, no, I, I'm pretty much aware to where that leads to, um... Because as of right now, I don't know about the story. I, I genuinely have no clue about the story. And, you know, it doesn't excuse for that type of storytelling archetype at all. It doesn't at all. And I, I just can't be patient for that because it's just not starting to make sense. And it, it's just the fact that, like, there's too many things going on that are being just shoveled back, you know, back into the library and whatever. And it's just like, okay, so what, what is this now? I don't get it and such. It's just like you lose. That's where you lose me with that type of logic. So, um, and you know, yeah, like the remind, it's also going to include a few other, um, it's going to include the super boss and stuff like that, which is cool. That's great. That's incredibly great though. But I'm a lore type of guy. I also care about the gameplay very much and such. And like, you know, for what the post game content has to offer, but I'm going to say this right now, I'm a very heavy lore type of guy and such. And that's why I follow the Kingdom Hearts series heavily for that. And it has given me... I've been running around in circles with this. Like, basically, probably faster than teacups in Kingdom Hearts 3 when you activate that attraction flow. <laughs> so, I, I, I'm i tired of running in circles. I need a break. I need a breather from this. <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, that's why I've kind of just gone to the the gameplay side more because i just kind of gave up on the story and with remind at least like my selling point going back to it is like the super bosses but i really hope with the super bosses like just kind of like shifting gears a little bit i really hope there is a balance patch because this game has so much potential like gameplay wise i feel like story for me I've kind of given up, and that's a personal thing. Like, I think that's great if people do have hope that the story could potentially get better, but I'm at this rate more just of a gameplay guy, and I still see potential in it. I just think they need to balance links and give a little more power to like physical attacks because, you know, you're wielding a keyblade, like I said before, like, it's a very powerful weapon, so why are you. Why are you stripping that power away by making me abuse links and stuff? And with super bosses, I would actually really like to know this. Uh, I really want to know how to fight these characters in this game specifically, if they're going to be 
like just fighting them one at a time. So I just want there to be some sort of balancing where I feel like I'll have the tools to figure out the boss while also doing enough damage um, and not just breezing through them with like just gimmicky corny strats like using Ralph and trapping them for several hours and then wrecking it, as they say. So let's touch more upon that real quick. Um, so they mentioned, uh, briefly mentioned, uh, we haven't seen a preview of this at least though, but like they did confirm that there's just this thing that's called fast pass mode, I believe. Oh, and... is that the Skull Ad Kylum thing? No, 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 no. That's not the Skull Ad Kylum. Basically, fast pass mode is the... You can adjust the gameplay a little bit more than just setting the difficulty. And, you know, like, for this, like, I'm not so sure because it still sounds all vague to me. But basically, like, you know, you could set this at any point in time and such. Because, like, no more he said that he wanted to make a difficulty harder than uh, critical mode and such, though. But, like, I guess, like, he's giving you a little bit more freedom to, like, select how, like, the gameplay could be challenging to you and such. Now, my thing is the fact that, like, I don't know, like, if it's going to really, really change the gameplay to that extent, though. But if they can at least fix a couple things, like, you know, again, the unfair uh, reward punishment system for simply guarding. I hope that's fixed oh as such. Oh, God. Like, oh. Guarding in this game makes no sense. You press the guard button, you block a move. Keep in mind, this game has a crazy amount of multi-hit moves. Like, for an example, like, a lot of young Xehanort's moves are multi-hits. So... Why is it that he just randomly hits me every now and then, even when I'm guarding? Like, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. That is another thing I hope gets fixed, too. Yeah, uh, it's just the fact that, like, the only way that you could get around with quote-unquote guarding is if you have the Big Hero 6 Keyblade or, the, you know, the uh, the Ulta, Ultima Weapon Keyblade. Uh, because they have a special type of guarding to where uh, all the keyblades or some type of special energy is surrounded or around you. Basically the equivalence of Aqua's barrier when you guard in 0.2 and the Bird by Sleep games. So that's your only way to get around in Kingdom Hearts 3 in such an unfair way. And there's a lot, like again, we could go on a lot about the, a lot of unfairness and weird glitches of the gameplay that has not been delivered correctly. Yeah. But I'm hoping this fast pass mode, like, I'm not expecting for it to fix everything, but if it can fix at least some things that have become a huge annoyance and hindrance to really enjoy the gameplay, then maybe I can really, for me at least, I would be happy to give this game a little bit more of a chance because I also enjoy the gameplay much, and that's also my primary reason as to why I also go back to Kingdom Hearts so much, because it has a complimentary story to it back then at least for me, and then gameplay that's just super satisfying every time I do something, and I'm just not feeling that anymore with Kingdom Hearts at all. But if they could do that with three, I'd be more open to it. Me too. Um, but yeah, no, so having a custom mode and such, I'm really hoping that we get to see a little bit more of a snippet of that, though. I doubt it. I guess we'll just have to wait until that time comes through. Um, so, but yeah, no, but basically as to everything that I have talked about here, we have talked about here for Remind and such, uh, there's this one thing that's also been, uh, brought to my attention and such, which is basically, you know, expectations versus, you know, the reality of the game, which leads to your disappointment and stuff like that. Now, here's the thing. Anybody is allowed to set up their own expectations and such for the game. And I personally believe 
that it's only fair to at least try to take in and like keep in mind to like whatever you see from the trailers and stuff like that it's something for you to keep in mind and basically to your previous knowledge of the games and such you have a, at least a good idea to how things are gonna go or what to expect and such and especially the fact that this is the end of the saga it's the end of it not the entire story as an overall though but at least the end of the saga so uh, apparently, to my knowledge, it's known to be a common storytelling archetype, though. But if that is, then, oof, that's a yikes. That is an extreme, yikes, flawed type of thing that, unfortunately, that there's now such a label for it, and that's unfortunate. And the fact that, like, we have danced around a lot of things for too long for Kingdom Hearts, you know, the, the time has expired. That, that The time for redemption and stuff like that is kind of expired for me for that. Mm -hmm. Um, but... You know, again, like, you know, it's cool and such, though. But, again, that's just me. Like, I, it's, you know, it's my thing, the fact that, like, it did not accomplish that for me for Kingdom Hearts 3, though. But, hey, everyone else, they had their own, everyone, they had their own type of way of viewing Kingdom Hearts 3, right? So, anybody's allowed to do that. You're not completely at fault for that. So, let me get to this, then, so, to where I'm going with this. Because I have completely wanted to avoid this. But I noticed that I I seen that this was going to be brought up and I had a feeling it would. The unfair comparisons with Persona 5 Royal and <laughs> Remind DLC. I could not fathom being a person that would tr even be close to trying to compare Persona 5 R to uh, Remind. Like, man. Like, what are your I... thoughts on that? So... Royal and Remind. I will say that, um, here's the thing. I have not played Royal. Obviously, it's not available out in English, and I, for one, cannot translate Japanese. I wish I could, but I need to level up my weeb level mobile, but you have not, you did not hear that from me. <laughs> yeah. But, um, here's my thing. I had, I now have a better idea after I have my experience with Persona 5. And to what I've been explained and to what I have basically seen with the other Persona games and stuff like that. Of what Persona 5 is supposed to be. For Persona 5 Royal, it's the same game, but it's not at the same time. And I know that it sounds really crazy to hear that, like, how is that possible and stuff like that. You kind of have to play it for yourself to really understand that. But... Basically, like, you know, a, there's a lot of arguments with this. The fact that, like, Persona 5 Royal, it could be, um, it could be DLC for regular Persona 5 and such. Which, I could see that. I see why. But the thing is the fact that, again, that what you're getting at, what you're getting out of Persona 5 Royal, it's a lot of different changes and revamps and new additions and stuff like that. It will be a larger size in terms of like all the content stuff like that it would be better if it was its own game and stuff like that rather as a dlc expansion pack you know so um and that's the thing like you know with remind like here you're only getting like the main like in the next patch that we're gonna get on january 23rd we're only be getting the main story update and such the additional story and then the secret episode with 13 no 14 uh, super bosses and stuff like that 
and then the Oath Keeper, the Oblivion and stuff like that. We don't know how big Remind is or how much, like, you know, hefty content that they have packed for the DLC, though. But I can say for a fact that it's not going to be the same amount as Persona 5 Royal. Um, and here's the thing, though. Like, uh, there's a huge list that I found as of recently that, you know, they have made a lot of revamps of the gameplay and such. Camera 3 Remind is not having much of revamps, like extreme revamps that Persona 5 is getting and such. There's also been like a lot of new dialogue, a crap ton of new dialogue and text that they had to put out and such. Yeah, and you know, they also had to like completely rewritten some of the confidants in Persona 5 and such. New true endings and bad endings and such. Um, and it's things like that, it's the fact that, like, yes, like, yeah, you're getting extra 20, maybe 10 to 20 hours of, like, you know, content after the main story of Persona 5, and then the Royal, it really starts after that and such, though, but their, their accomplishment for Royal is that they're deepening the story and such, while Remind is just basically telling, like, what, again, the band-aid over the vanilla game and such. Remind, um, Royal, that was already a complete game. Royal is not completing vanilla Persona 5. It's a new experience. Um, I don't want to say a new story, but, like, it, it, there are some things that's changing up that, like, it's almost, it's completely almost its own storyline type thing. I guess you could say, like, you know, a definitive edition of Persona 5. And, uh, and that's priced for $60, while Remind is priced for $30. Now, I want to emphasize this as well. I don't agree with the price for Remind, but I will say that it is realistic for Square Enix to price Remind for $30, because again, we don't know, like, yeah, we did, I did see the list, we did see the list of what it contains and such though, but we don't know, like, how much that truly means, but if there's gonna be a lot of content stuff like that, okay, I can see why it's $30 and such. While Royal, again, you basically have to rebuy the game and such, um, it's not the same situation as to you're buying Kingdom Hearts 2 FM um, way back then and such. Because, again, they, like if they wanted to expand Royal, they or not Royal. If they wanted to expand Persona 5, they would have done that. But it needed to be its own thing, and that's what they're trying to accomplish here by deepening the story and such. And they did too many revamps of that. So, if you choose to use your $30 for Remind, that's completely fine. You are more than welcome to do so. Like, again, you should not be judged for that whatsoever. Everyone has their own colors that differs from the others and it should be respected i for one i'm not gonna get remind um at least out of my pocket i'm gonna say that that much because i well, to what i got for persona 5 i feel like i get a lot of more content and a lot of more things that like get me like to the edge of my seat with that game and i feel like royal is going to do that again especially to what they advertise like they're doing a lot of things that are extreme that like I even spoke about this with veteran Persona fans. Like, they said, like, this is really extreme. Like, this is even, like, bigger than what they did with Persona 4 Golden and basically the definitive editions of the Persona games. So, that's why it's big hype. That's why, like, I feel like, to me, I'm going to be having my field month or who knows of how many months to a year that I'm going to be having with Royal. So... I feel like, like, you know, again, I'm gonna be, I'll be glad to spend my another $60 and such, and then, you know, anybody else that wants to do a remind, or both, even, that's fine, too, as well. So, 
you know, you get your satisfaction, I get my satisfaction, stuff like that, to what you seek for. But I do want to emphasize the fact that, like, at the same time, it's not exactly really the same thing in that path. So, at the end of the day, this all determines if you believe Royal and Remind, if it's worth your money or not. It's yeah. not saying, like, it's too expensive or anything like that. Like, no, they're at the appropriate prices as they should be. Um, unless we play the game and then we change our minds later, that we have to wait until the future for that to arise. But until then, to what has been advertised, what has been marketed out there, it's up to you. And there's no wrong answer of that. Yeah, no, there really isn't because, I mean, $20 to me would be more of an optimal price for it just to be friendly. But because it is Square and Disney, like, they are willing to, or mostly Square, but, you know, they got Disney stuff in there, so whatever. I mentioned them, them too. But $20, like, $30 is fine. I'm completely okay with that because at right. least it's not over $30. If, I, if it was, like, $10 more, I would have been, like, okay, this is strange. But... You know, I'm I'm fine with twenty dollars, and you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it, and you just if you're not gonna play it, then you know who cares? Just let others that enjoy this game enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, that 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 should not like nobody should have to like you know go at it with one another another each other because like you know again my Twitter has been a little bit crazy of that, which that's why like I really put that I, I I've just been sleeping on it because you know what at the end of the day. Your experience comes first before other type of experiences. It's just interesting to hear of other people's differences of opinions and such. And again, it should be respected at the end of the day. Yeah, and like one more feature that, I mean, there's probably like a few more that I could probably um, think of. But I think we basically cover the super bosses thing. But the last final thing I really have to talk about for like Remind is um, Radiant Garden and Skalad Kyum. Because oh right, so in the trailer, um, we were given a brief look at. I mean, first this one's easy to cover. Is just Radiant Garden was very quickly shown. Just it was a glimpse. It was the first still shot that we got when we were introduced to the new trailer before they showed off. You know, like Aerith, Leon, and um, whoever the other girl was for all like the Final Fantasy characters. Now. That was cool, and I'm hoping it's going to be more than just a cutscene-esque thing for, like, you know, Riku just asking where Sora is and whatnot. But I really hope, and this one I hope for, that we can explore Scala at Kylum more than just being on the railings. Because in the trailer, we were shown that if you, um, if you, you know, if you boot up the little railing thing and you can glide around Scala at Kylum. I'm hoping you can do that on foot too because something that's really unique about the Kingdom Hearts games is creating these vast and just beautiful worlds and Scala Ad Kylum is actually my favorite right now like out of all the Kingdom Hearts worlds and series like they do it the best and I think because like going back to it like you go to the end of the world which was in Kingdom Hearts 1 or like whatever that area was and you could explore it Kingdom Hearts 2, you were given the world that never was, which is incredible. I love that place so much in 2. Like, sometimes I just explore and beat enemies for the sake of, like, revisiting the area again. And then the other thing, too, is, like, when we were first introduced to Scala Ad Kylum, oh, my gosh. I saw it in the tr in the trailer, and I was in awe. Like, I was thinking to myself, like, I cannot wait to explore this area. 
and we didn't get to do that and that was like probably the most disappointing thing of all time like the only sort of exploration you could do without hacking the game was initiating the fight with the armored xehanort clones and then kind of just dodging enemies to explore around but from what i can tell in the trailer i think we get to explore more than just that area too and i'm really hoping to do that too because there's more of that area that was shown in the trailer that I've never even touched or seen. Like, I've never seen those angles. I've never seen those landmarks before. And I'm hoping I'm right because I would love to explore that area more. It's really pretty. The one comment I'm going to have to say to that is, um, to what I've learned through this Kingdom Hearts 3 wait for six years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or, I'm sorry, you know what? Let me rephrase that. Seven years for the real release of Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> yeah, a long time regardless. <laughs> what I'm going to say to that is, if anything, if there's something that they have taught me is to take their advertisement trailers with a grain of salt. But I do hope that, like, when exploring these worlds and such, especially Scala at Kylum and hopefully Radiant Garden, but I don't know about that. But Scala at Kylum. We learn a lot more of the original, like, basically the base form, the Kingdom Hearts lore and such. Not anything with Disney. Kingdom Hearts lore. I need a little bit more of that. And if it involves with Xehanort and Eric's origins that came from there, that'd be great as well. So, I'm glad that they're also fixing that. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it's basically too as to what Crunch said. Like, hopefully we do not have the addition of only going by the world only by rails and such like we actually like walk around and stuff like that see like how that world was active and what is that place like actually for besides basically xanor's quote like you know the oh, like you know keyblade wielders sitting like having a seat there or whatever like what does that mean so yeah. um but yeah no but like it would probably like give us like maybe a little bit of easter eggs or like a little bit better for an understanding of the purpose of that world um, so, oh yeah, and one thing that I also want to say is the fact that, like, uh, Kyrie. so, I see girl is playable, and, you know, we see a little bit that she has some moves there. That's pretty hype. So, uh, I'm, I am a little bit hyped to see that, so, uh, hopefully, like, she can get the deserved redemption points that she needs it, because that girl is overdue for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah, but it's cool that we're also going to be receiving... Seven Guardians of Lights are all playable, and also a fo photo booth mode with the villains too, so I kind of want to do that low-key, but you didn't hear that from me anyway. Uh, <laughs> but it's things like that, like, I'm hoping that, like, in Remind, the one thing, if I were to ask for it, like, if I were to actually, like, play it, if this is going to be the patch, or basically a good addition to Kingdom Hearts 3, is that... We can't have an unbalance of a, an imperfect balance of story and gameplay. We need Remind to actually have a good complement to one each other and stuff like that. Not any more questions and stuff like that, but like something that could like again, even though it's a bit too late though, but to fill in like good answers and stuff like that, and like complementing the gameplay to solidify, you know, the balance and not like make it more frustrating that you want to drop the game at that point so that's all i really have to say for remind actually yeah there you go <laughs> yeah that's a pretty good end on that note so yeah uh that's 
everything that we have to say. I mean, unless you got something crunched, do you? Um, I mean, the last thing I was basically going to mention was, like, I really want to explore Scala Akylum, and I think adding that feature would honestly make me, like, change my rating probably of the game, because, you know, exploration's pretty important in there as well. And then just, I'm just praying the super bosses are dope, because, uh... I love super bosses in KH2FM and I hope it carries over here because I would still like to play this game a lot. And I know we talk a lot about of like we talked a lot about what's wrong with the game, but you know, to be fair, it does have some things that did well on. Like like we said, I think graphics are pretty good and despite some of the gameplay balancing issues, it is enjoyable at some points and there are some functions of the game that are a lot of fun to use. Not so much oh, attractions, definitely. but that's your opinion and I won't try to change it, but for me I turn that shit off when I get the chance. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, I'm just really hoping that Remind, you know, maybe on the off chance that they do fix the story, but I really hope it rejuvenates the hype for gameplay again because I, the game's pretty to play, but it's it's also really hard to enjoy sometimes. And, you know, I hope they take advantage of this DLC as a way to improve their game. The Attraction of that catches our eyes is not yeah. really meeting up to the reality when you play the game is basically the the reality of kingdom hearts 3 as to what we have experienced right but hopefully remind it does more good and such and you know hopefully like again to whoever you you make your call you make your call on remind and basically with this entire discussion that we have had today so um Oh, yeah. Uh, I almost forgot to do this, though, but we need to have a little bit of a silence moment for our Xbox players. Uh, so sad. So that sad. That is very unfortunate, but that's what you get from going from exclusive to Xbox. So Very unfortunate, though. Yeah, very unfortunate. All I gotta say is if you're a real stand for Kingdom Hearts... And you were happy about Kingdom Hearts 3 being an Xbox One at the same time as PS4. Well, all I gotta say is the fact that you should not be surprised. The fact that they got... <laughs> yeah. They got chickened on. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yep, but, extra month. But, yeah, no. But unless you want to go crazy and stuff like that and, you know, go to its perspective, origin state, which is PlayStation... There's that option, but we understand if you have the finance issues and such. I mean, again, this was a little bit of a short notice as to when this uh, DLC expansion was coming out, and we didn't know this was going to take a whole month for it to come out on another platform. I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, but if you still stick with that Xbox idea, um, good luck avoiding spoilers um, and YouTube videos and other videos if you have Twitter or Facebook and other social media platforms and maybe hopefully not on Discord either because you may never know. You can't trust people these days. <laughs> so, but other than that, that wraps up the discussion of the real Kingdom Hearts 3 releasing next month. <laughs> Just pray that this game is good, or the DLC is good, please. Mm -hmm. Yes, so hopefully if you get the game and stuff like that, you enjoy the experience, and hey, more power to you that you enjoy this game and such, and then everyone, we just move on and such, and then that's all I gotta say. Also, sorry um, for Smash, 
as we're oh, recording yes, this, for Smash. Hopefully the Game that Awards happens. is going on right now. I've been kind of peeping a little bit of the news during the podcast, but not too much because, you know, we're talking about Kingdom Hearts, but um, I low-key hope Sora's in the game. If he's not, completely understandable, but uh, I don't know. That render of Sora, very, very low-key made me think of Smash, just a little bit, and it's probably a coincidence, but I'm just saying, I... That'd be awesome. I, I, I want it to happen, too. I need for it to happen, to bring me that life. I just uh, want music in the game, too. Like, imagine Rage yes! Awakening in Smash. That would complete the roster for me and the content for Smash, and I, I don't care what I would be, what other additions they bring in. I just need Sora, and then I'll shut up. Yeah. I mean, that's basically the only character I want left, but... Obviously, I don't mind other picks, too, but yeah, that's kind of like the small, like, Smash discussion thing, but yeah, fingers crossed, if not, oh well, you know, but if you got in, awesome. Definitely. So, yeah, um, that wraps up for this discussion today. Again, you are here at Storm Cadet Podcast with Eno Ninja, and also my special guest star of Crunch. I will be linking his social media links on this pod, uh... Uh, the blog here at kingseyes.life network so be on the lookout follow him on his social media platforms and such and go support him yeah i appreciate you having me on the podcast it was really fun Mm -hmm. definitely it's my pleasure as well thank you for being here with me today as well yeah of course this is zeno ninja and i'll see you guys next wednesday all right see you later